Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. So we're in our Stay the Course series in 1 Timothy. We're in chapter 2 today. If you want to turn there, uh, we'll look at there in just a minute. But uh, it's one of these passages in Scripture that we, we read a lot that that at times we're like, amen, 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 I love it. And then at certain times, depending on situations and circumstances, we're like, not so amen, not so hallelujah, not so fantastic. Uh, there are certain things that, that are harder in, in circumstances and situations and periods of time for us to follow. But here's the thing, this is always true. This gospel is always right. Circumstances don't dictate how I live out the gospel. Uh, Andrew was up here singing, and you probably didn't get to see the, the, the passage on her shirt. You may have read the word forgive, uh, but she had a passage on there from Colossians 3, um, chapter, uh, ver- chapter 3, verse 13, and, and it says this, it says, make allowances for each other's faults. All right, I like that, because I have faults too. And forgive anyone who offends you. Okay. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must also forgive others. And it's like, yeah, that's great. That's awesome. But what about that guy? What about what she did? What about what they did to us? Those times get harder. It does not change the truth. I apply forgiveness. If, if the person I love the most, I, we have to walk through a thing and I, and I forgive my wife or my kids. It's like, okay. But when it's somebody that I would deem as an enemy or somebody against me or it was massively painful, that gets harder, but it doesn't mean I don't do it. And so that's what we're reading today in, in 1 Timothy 2. It's this tough chapter for various reasons, and we're taking part of the toughness today and then part of the toughness next week because we got to breathe a little bit. Uh, this week, it has to do with prayer and our choices in humility and for the advancement of the gospel salvation message, that part of love people and go of the great commandment and the great commission, that's what Paul's really laying out for us today in, in what he, when he calls us to prayer. Next week, there are some hard to comprehend and, and fully understand truths on how churches that follow Jesus and live according to this gospel are to walk out life under God's authority. And so we'll tackle that next week. We're never going to be afraid to tackle the things in the scripture. Now in 30 minutes, it may not be absolutely fully understood because like for thousands of years, we've been walking this stuff through as as followers of God. And it gets hard sometimes, but we do this in fellowship and in community and in in conversation and in discipleship and in growing in in our faith and growing in our knowledge of the word. So today we're going to take 1 Timothy 2 and uh, verses 1 through 4 and then later verses 5 through 7 and see what the Holy Spirit asks of us. So I'll just kick it off right away here in verse 1. Paul says, I urge you first of all to pray for all people. I like that. Ask God to help them. That's cool. Intercede on their behalf. I like doing that. And give thanks for them. Some of them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved 
and to understand the truth. It's a call to prayer. He says, pray for, for peace in the land and for government. And I was walking this through, you know, I've been studying this for a while because I prepare the, the series as we go. I, I prepare them ahead of time. So I've been walking this through for a few months, but then this week got really intense on this passage here. And I, and I remember saying out loud at my desk one day, I'm like, Lord, I should have done this passage two years ago. It would have been a lot easier to say amen two years ago. I don't know about you, but I know about me. And then very clearly, I, I felt like he said, it still applies. I'm like, does it? But I know it does. I'm just in process like you. And it does not apply that I pray against. And it's this, it's this thing of living, living according to Jesus, living in this place where he has us right now, but we don't belong here. We belong to heaven. And, and what this says matters most of all, but yet we still pray for our leadership and our government and for peace in the land so that we can share the gospel in the midst of it all, knowing that some of the things done and desired to do are evil. Like I will stand for the life of a baby until my last breath, and I will battle and I will battle and I will battle at the same time. I have to pray for those who make it easier to kill babies. And that feels weird. I don't know about you. I can't just write off and go, no, they don't deserve prayer. Because while I was yet a sinner, Jesus died for me. Amen. So it, it's hard. It's like a, a, a wrestling moment for us. But Paul very clearly says here, peace that you pray for when you pray for him and her and them the peace that, the, the, when you pray for them, the peace that will come will allow for greater movement of the gospel to be shared. The love people and go aspect of, of, of following Jesus, which is the most important of all. I mean, my, my freedoms and my rights as an American is very important. They pale in comparison to the salvation message. Because this is what matters most. And I'm not going to be an American in heaven for eternity. I'm not. And I love America. I love this nation. I love this state. I love the freedoms. I love the stuff that people put their lives on the line for and, and died for. I love it. I think we're the greatest nation in the history of the world, in my opinion. Yet I'm going to be a, a citizen of heaven when I'm in heaven, and that's it. And so salvation is my anthem, not Americana. And, and yet there's this, there's this tension that we, that we exist in and we have to wrestle with and we have to deal with. It's like, I mean, I'm a big fan of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Have you ever studied his life? And that's hard to reckon. I'm like, he was a pastor. He was one of the few very spirit-filled, evangelical-type pastors in Germany during Nazi Germany. And he stood against the regime there and even had, was part of an assassination attempt against Hitler that failed. And I'm like, well... I don't know. I wasn't there. It's hard. And I've had some people say, oh, this is truth, and then oh, this is the only way it could have been done, applying it to Bonhoeffer, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know. But I do know that even in the midst of it all, even when he was plotting that, he still, in his writings, would pray for the government and the leaders that their hearts would be changed. And I'm like, that's the biggest point. That's the biggest point. And so 
I'm going to stand for babies. I'm going to stand for, for marriage between a born man and a born woman. I'm going to stand for the fact that there are two types of humans born, a male and a female. I'm going to stand for those things, but I'm also going to pray for, because all throughout Scripture I'm told to, my leadership. Now, we know that Jesus is the only way, and when it's peaceful in a land, it's easier to move about and share the salvation message. And so that's, that's Paul's big point here. Now, we do have historical evidence that the greater the oppression in a nation, the, the larger the church grows. Like you, you have China in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I mean, the church was blowing up, growing like crazy. You have the, the church in the Muslim world right now, right now is the fastest growing Christian uh, church in the history uh, of the world, in the midst of the Muslim world. So I know that oppression can't stop the gospel. It seems to make it grow faster, but yet we're told to pray for government so there'd be peace, so you can move about and share the message without fear. So that's where we find ourselves, and that's what we have to do as believers, and that's what we're wrestling with today. God wants to rescue the entire world, and prayer keeps us on track with that. We stay the course. So I recall in this series, Stay the Course, because every, every sermon that we preach is about staying the course to what we're called to do and what matters most. And Paul's you know, saying this big thing here about prayer, but he comes back to the, the, the point that matters most, salvation of mankind. Yeah. And when I pray for my leadership and I'm, I'm asking Jesus to change their hearts and, and move in their lives and, and guide their, their decisions, then my mind is on Jesus and not on the things that bother me about a person. That's, That's just the reality. And sometimes I'm like, well, I'd rather just be bothered right now because that person does bother me. Everyone agrees. You know, I, I, uh, I'm a very, uh, I'm like, it's always this way or this way. That's me. Um, and and yet I, I go back and I'm like, but, but the gospel, but the gospel. And Paul's talking about bringing a place of peace. I remember years ago, it has nothing to do with uh, the, the bigness of like praying for a nation or, 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 or like salvation. But we were, Sarah and I worked at this, at this boy's home in, in Nebraska and it was a very non-peaceful setting. We had like 64 boys in this home, and there were different homes. So there was about eight in each house. And, and I remember things were just, had always been done a certain way, and they were always right, except they weren't right. Because it was really about the, the, the processes and about the, the people who didn't want to change anything. And, and the boys were, were way down here on the list, and they just kind of existed. So I knew what was right. And so I was going to go to battle for right against leadership, and I was going to just always say something, because um, I kind of always have to say something. I'm very opinionated uh, in life. I knew what needed to be done for the sake of the boys and for the sake of integrity. The only problem was they didn't care. The way was the way, and the boys were not. And, and I decided, hey, I, I guess we just got to go. We just got to leave. So after a year, I was like, I'm out. And then through the circumstances that God orchestrated, we were not out. And I was like, but we both know, God, that if I'm here, something's got to change. And it was like, you do. I'm like, oh, but I'm right. <laughs> but I'm right. And you know what? Talking to almost anybody with critical thinking skills, they'd be like, yeah, but, you know. And what I decided to do from that point on, I was going to be for 
Kevin, that was his name, who was the director. Wasn't necessarily the overall big cheese, but he was the big cheese on campus. And I was like, I'm just going to be for him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do what is necessary to be a man of peace in this situation. I'm going to be for him. And what I found myself doing, I started praying for him. I started caring about him. I started to see him through compassion's eyes and understand his upbringing and what was missing in his life and why he was, you know, kind of bending this way in life. I, I understood with great compassion. He did not change except that he began to really like me. Like, he began to appreciate who I was. I'm like, huh, this is interesting because he's still really messed up. But there was this oddball, unique relationship and it brought peace. And the, the setting didn't change at the home, except in our home with our boys. It allowed us a lot of freedom to do a lot of things that blessed those boys, that got them out of a system and allowed them to be loved like a family. And so really it became kind of our pocket of wholeness and health there. And then when I left, it went back the same way. But I decided, okay, I got to be, if I'm going to stay here, I, I, have to, I have to be a man of peace. I wasn't even paying attention to the scripture about authority and praying for that so that, so that the truth could be, be known and shared and lived out. But that's what happened in my life. And Paul's talking here about something that is, that is eternal and, and huge. It's the biggest thing in history. It's salvation. It's eternity. It's, it's life on the line here. It's not some temporary peace like, like we had there. It's the big deal is what he's talking about. It's prayer to advance the message of salvation. He says right in here, he says, for all people. Paul's reason for us to pray for rulers is that they would use their positions to allow Christians to live what he says is peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Some of your versions might say godliness and integrity. So a question for us today. I've had a chance to wrestle with it this week, so good luck. Um, are you fighting leadership so strongly, whether it's at work, work situation, maybe it's at home and you're, you're a kid in your parents' home, and you're fighting that leadership, or maybe it's something to do with government, this guy. Uh, that's what I'm struggling with at times. Are you fighting leadership so strongly that you're losing the greater eternal opportunity to advance the gospel and the truth of the gospel? Do you have to fight them so hard because they're wrong that you miss opportunities to be Jesus to them and for them? and for others around them. I think that's the question to wrestle with today. I think that's what Paul's calling us to today. Because as Paul always seems to do, he brings it back to what matters most, advancing the gospel. It connects with, with Romans 13, one through seven, which Paul also wrote. And it's a hard truth for us to, for us to walk in and follow at times what he writes in Romans chapter 13 for believers. It might be one of the, the hardest commandments you'll ever be asked to do, especially like in this period of time in our lives for, for many of us that are here or listening. In verse 4 of, of Romans 13, Paul says, Paul says this, he says, uh, the authorities are God's servants sent for your good. Now remember where he is. He's, 
He's in a much worse setting than we are. So he's talking about Rome. Those wicked Roman leaders are God's servants sent for your good. He's writing to Christians. It's crazy to put that in context of maybe a a believer in China these days. Can you imagine them reading that scripture and what they wrestle with? Or imagine somebody back in uh, the Cold War era of the USSR that follows Jesus and reads that passage. The authorities? Like Stalin and Khrushchev and really? What about a believer in the Muslim world today where Christians are murdered because they're Christians? And even for us today, it's not as comfortable as it was two years ago or X amount of years ago or whatever it is. It's, it's awkward. It's weird. It, it doesn't, doesn't seem very hopeful, except Jesus never loses. Then in verse 7, Paul writes, give to everyone, talking about leaders, give to all the authority and the leaders what you owe them. Give to them what you owe them, not what they deserve or what they've earned, but what you owe them, according to Jesus. And then he lists a few things. He says taxes and government fees. He says respect and honor. So our goal today as we look at 1 Timothy 2 is that we'd pray for and commit to pray for our leaders and our government. Because whether they know it or not, every person in authority is appointed by God as his servants. Whether they know it or not, they are appointed by God as his servants. They're going to do the work he needs them to do in order to best advance the gospel because that's the point. My comfort here is not the point of life on earth. I love it. I love comfort. I love it. I love when I don't feel any pain or deal with any bad circumstances. I like that. But that's not the point of life on earth. As a follower of Jesus, he is. Saving lost people bound for hell is the point. So that in heaven we can live a perfect life for eternity with the God who created us and then made a way to save us. That's the point. So we're to all pray for all of our leaders. No one is too powerful or too far from God for him not to direct and guide them. That's what Proverbs 21.1 tells us. No matter how powerful they think they are, he guides them. He can do it. And the way they lead, the way we pray for them to lead, allows for peace to happen in our land so that the gospel can be advanced. Then in that passage in Romans 13, Paul says what he says in verses 1 through 7. And then directly after that, verse 8, a very powerful verse, he says, Love towards everyone fulfills the entire requirement of the law. You know who else fulfilled the entire requirement of the law? Jesus. He's the only one that did it in one person. And Paul tells us, when you do this, when you love in this way, you are acting, looking, sounding, and being like Jesus himself. That's what he's telling us. So... I have to wrestle and go, do I want to be like Jesus himself or like Scott? But Scott's really right here. But Jesus is eternally correct. 
And that's the point that I have to have my flesh wrestle with and my soul has to say, I'm choosing the spirit. I'm choosing the spirit of the living God in Scott and not the flesh of Scott right now. That's what I'm choosing. My soul has to choose Jesus or, or I lose out on a life that matters and living a life that looks like Jesus. I mean, the big idea today is that, that God wants to rescue the whole world. So praying for our government and leaders brings peace to be able to freely share. And it keeps us on track because our minds and our thoughts stay on Jesus. I mean, look at Jeremiah 29. That was a, that was a tough story if you've ever read it. We, all, most of us know Jeremiah 29 11, but the story's powerful. How God calls his people to live in the midst of oppression. In the midst of struggle, God calls those who, who are far from home, living in exile under an oppressed nation in Babylon, owning them. He, calls them how to, he tells them how to trust him and trust his timing. So it's, it's written to the exiled in Babylon. And, he, and then the, 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 uh, the word of the Lord from the prophet is, he says, to all captives exiled, say this, build homes in exile. Plan to stay. Plant gardens. Marry and have children. Find spouses for your children so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, exclamation point. Don't dwindle away. Work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into. So he's saying work for the peace and the prosperity of the wicked leaders of Babylon and their city. Its welfare will determine your welfare, he tells them. And then he goes on and he says, don't listen to liars who speak for me, but say, fight, fight, fight. Get out, get out, get out. I'm not coming yet, God says. It'll be 70 years. He says, but then I'll come and I'll take you to the place I've prepared for you. And then we read the passage most of us know. For I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me with your whole heart, you'll find me. I'll be found by you. I'll end your captivity. I'll restore your fortune. I'll gather you, bring you to the place where I made you. So I think it's a good time for us to pray for our nation right now and pray for our leadership right now. And I'm going to ask you just to, we're not done yet. I still have the other three verses, but I'm going to ask you to stand up as we pray, if you wouldn't mind, if you, if you want to sit. That's, that's totally cool too. But here, here's what I, I'd like to start us off in prayer, but if you'd be so bold, I, I, I'm asking that everybody pray for our leadership in our nation for them. Like, I'm going to pray for salvation for President Biden. I'm going to pray for salvation for, for Vice President Harris. I'm going to pray for wisdom and following of Jesus for all of our Supreme Court. But I'm going to also ask you to pray that. And I'm going to ask if you would be so bold, maybe you'll pray out loud. Maybe some of you just, you just pray out loud where you are. And in YWAM, when I was a missionary, we always called it Korean-style prayer, where everybody just let loose where they were, and then nobody had to hear anybody else. But the whole place was lit up. So I'm going to open us up. And if you're bold enough to pray, pray out loud. Maybe you whisper out loud. That's cool too. I think loud prayers would be cool on this day. But we're just going to pray for our leadership. And then at some point, as the Holy Spirit leads, I'm going to just say a big amen. 
And then we'll get to the last three verses there and, and step into communion. So let's just start praying. God, we, we lift up our nation right now. I lift up President uh, Biden, and I ask that you save him. God, would you save him? Would you save President Joe Biden and have him be a Christ follower all the remaining days of his life, that he would follow you and fall in love with you and, and read your word? I pray that, that he, would, he would be filled with your Holy Spirit and be led by you and you alone. I pray for, for Vice President Harris, and I pray that you would swoop in and save her radically, God. Would you move in her life? We have seen you do radical salvations over the, over the centuries, God. You, you saved Paul, who murdered Christians uh, for a living, and you saved him. And so, God, we lift him up right now, and we say, would you save them? Would you guide their hands? I, I claim Proverbs 21.1 over their lives that, that even as they are kings and leaders uh, in a nation, you can guide them like you would guide a stream to go to the destination you have it to go to. And so would you lead them and guide them? And I pray, God, for our Supreme Court. I pray that those men and women would make righteous decisions and be led righteously by you. That they'd, they'd apply the rule of law righteously that they would uphold the rule of law righteously, that they would make only righteous decisions and never make decisions bound by humanism or secularism or, or the, the swaying of, of, of the world around them, but they would, they would apply the way you have called this nation to live out and they would, they would rule law that way. I pray for your move in their lives. I pray for a radical transformation in, in Washington, D.C., in, in courthouses and in capitals across the nation in, in capital cities that you would move in the lives of governors, move in the lives of mayors, that you would move in the lives of, of, of senators and, and, and representatives, that you would, this would be even the most radical, godly, uh, transforming time in the history of our nation, God, that we would look back and go, wow, like I don't know anything else, but wow, God. And so would you move in their lives, but we pray for their salvation. And Lord, Help us to commit to pray. Like we would put it in our phones, that it would pop up and say pray. That we would put it on our calendars, we would we'd put sticky notes on our mirrors, we'd put sticky notes on our speedometers, that, that we would look at it and go, okay, I gotta I got pray. I'm gonna pray for, I'm gonna pray for, I'm gonna commit to pray for, I'm not gonna pray against anymore. God, I'm gonna stand for, for truth, I'm gonna stand for what matters most, I'm gonna stand for the sanctity of life, but I am not gonna pray against anymore. I'm gonna pray for your move, I'm gonna pray for your change in people's lives. I'm gonna pray for your protection of the unborn, your protection of marriage, your protection of the way you've created life. I'm gonna pray for that, and I'm not gonna be a, an anti-prayer anymore, but I'm gonna to commit to praying for the things that are on your heart. And as we do that, may we pray for peace and see peace in our land come about. We want peace here because we want to be able to, to move about this nation sharing the gospel message just like Paul tells us in the first few verses of this chapter. So that's what we pray for. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 I, and I challenge you to, to put that in your phones. You can be seated. Somehow, I, I have to put sticky notes or pop-up things on my phone to remind me. Not that I don't want to, but I would forget. And so, so pop-up things on my phone that sometimes bother me are really good for me because it reminds me. 1 Timothy 2, verses 5 through 7, Paul, Paul continues writing this. Is th and this is where he gets into the way that Paul always does it. 
No matter what he's teaching, he brings it back to what matters most. He said, for there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave the world at just the right time. And I've been chosen as a preacher and apostle to teach the Gentiles this message about faith and truth. I'm not exaggerating, just telling the truth. <laughs> Paul's putting everything into proper perspective here. Why we remain here is this. If, we, if we're not sharing the gospel, then we're not living out the reason we remain here. It's like when I'm in heaven, I'm not going to evangelize. Nobody in heaven needs to know Jesus. We're with Jesus. So while we're left here on planet Earth, the, the thing that we're called to do is to tell people about Jesus, is to disciple people about Jesus, is to teach people about Jesus, is to contend for people about, for, for Jesus to move in their lives. That's the point. That's why you remain here as a believer. And if you're here and you're not a believer, or you're watching or listening and you're not a believer, know this, the only reason that you exist is to know Jesus. These 70-ish years, whatever, they're for you to know Jesus. You're here so you can know the one who made you and then died to make a way for you. He stepped into your, 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 your place and he took your punishment so that you wouldn't have to be punished and you could be forgiven of your sins. In fact, you're already forgiven of your sins. You just have to embrace it and take hold of that gift. And if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, right now is your time. You just say, I accept the gift. I want to be forgiven. I want to be forgiven and I want to live following you, Jesus. And then you tell your story. You tell your story. You tell your story. You raise your kids to know Jesus. You disciple people to grow closer to Jesus. You get in a relationship where you can grow closer to Jesus by, by falling in love with him and the word. Because that's why we're here, is to advance the gospel. It's not to, you know, try to find the best car or reach that pinnacle of a job. Those things don't matter in the scheme of eternity. In Titus 3, verses 1 through 7, is what we'll wrap up with as we head into communion. Paul writes this. He's, he's writing to another young preacher and another young church, and he's telling them the same thing that Paul loves to tell them. He says, Remind your people to obey the rulers and authorities and not be rebellious. They must always live the right way, do helpful things, be a part of every good work and be ready to do good deeds because they're saved to do good and not say cruel things and argue. They should be gentle and kind to everyone. Listen to this. We used to be stupid, disobedient, and foolish. Some people like used to be, but as well as slaves of all sorts of desires and pleasures. We were evil and jealous. Everyone hated us and we hated everyone. But when God, our Savior, showed us how good and kind He is, He saved us because of His mercy, not because of any good thing we did. God washed us by the power of the Holy Spirit, gave us new birth and a fresh beginning. He sent Jesus Christ, our Savior, to give us His Spirit. He treated us much better than we deserve. He made us acceptable to God and gave us the hope of eternal life. So he starts off with the same thing about leadership and honoring government and authority and all that. And then he goes to the thing that Paul always does. It's really about salvation and mercy and grace. But it's hard to do. I don't know about you, but for me it's hard to do when leaders act so awfully. 
it's just hard. I want revenge or payback or them to get their comeuppance or whatever it is. I don't even really, I don't know if I've ever used the word comeuppance, but it's hard to choose, isn't it? When we watch actions come against scripture and, and against God's design and against God's heart and what God knows is best for humanity, it's hard to choose to pray for those people when it's so wicked and vile. And yet, we're told all throughout Scripture. It's hard to walk humbly when we're still in process. Like, it's already hard to walk humbly because I'm in process. And then it's hard to walk humbly towards those people, whoever those people are, because that's even more difficult, especially when they could care less about being in process to become like Jesus. That's hard. It just is. But us praying for our government and our, and our leaders brings about peace. Paul says it. To be able to freely share and it keeps us on track so that our minds and our hearts stay focused on Jesus. Paul's telling us here to, to obey, honor, and live right for leaders. And then again, brings it all back to the salvation message, what matters most. But when God, but when God, in his mercy and grace, decided to do what he did, he saved you just because he loves you. God loves sinners. Aren't you thankful, Martin? Aren't you so thankful? God loves sinners. He loves saving sinners and then turn them into saints. But he loves sinners first. Because before Jesus, we were all sinners and we were all against God. But he loves us. He's kind. He showed great mercy by sending Jesus as our substitute and made a way where there was no way. And one of the great practices that we do to keep us focused on Jesus and his call to take the gospel is we get to take communion together. We get to remember and, and refocus. We get to partake and say thanks for Jesus giving his life for us. And, and here we do that basically once a month, sometimes a little bit more. We take communion, and we take the, the bread and the cup, and, and then and, and we remember what it stands for. The, the bread that we're going to eat in a little bit as it's passed around in a moment represents the body of Jesus given for you while you were yet a sinner, because God loves sinners. And so we eat that, and we remember he gave up his entire personhood for my sake, and he didn't deserve any of it. And then we drink the cup, and when we drink the cup, it, it brings us back to the, the understanding of his blood being poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Like his blood poured out for you, totally washed you clean. And that's what we remember, the blood had to be spilled for sins to be forgiven because it was so rebellious of an act. But my blood couldn't pay. So his perfect blood did. So when we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we're remembering that day where Jesus said, I loved you that much. And I love you that much. And so you take it and you remember what I did for you. And then as you finish taking it and you, you move forward in life, remember that somebody needs to hear that salvation story. So don't just take it and live in a bubble. Take it and give away 
the life you know that you have because of Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand right now and I'm going to pray for us and pray that the Lord maybe speaks something in our heart. Maybe you need to make something right in your heart. Um, and and as, I, as I finish praying, we're going to go into a couple songs of worship and the communion elements will be handed out after I, after I say amen. And then, and then you take that whenever you feel led to take it. Maybe you're just going to stand there for a while and just pray and talk to Jesus. Maybe you're going to go and take that with your spouse or your family or a close friend. Maybe you're going to come to the altar and take it. You can do whatever you want, but during one of the next two songs, you just take it. But as I pray, if you need to make anything right with Jesus, make it right with Jesus. And if you're a believer in this room, even if you're not a member of this church, you take communion because you follow Jesus. We follow Jesus together. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, communion is not for you, but you can say, Jesus, I want to follow you right now, and then take communion and have it be the first thing you do after salvation. That'd be like the coolest thing you could do. He doesn't make it hard. He did all the hard stuff. He died on the cross. He bled. He was executed. And then he says, here, I am. Take me. Lord, we thank you for the way you saved us, that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. We all were sinners and deserved punishment. The punishment's death. While we were sinners, you took the death for us. And then like Romans 10 says, as we call on you, as we believe it in our hearts and speak it with our mouths, we're saved. And so now we remember communion as we partake of your supper together. We remember it. And you tell us to, if there's anything in our hearts to make right, to make it right before we take communion so we'll have clear consciences and clean hearts. And so we do that now. If there's some, some kind of a sin issue or something we need to ask forgiveness for from someone or something we need to deal with with you, just help us to make that right with you before we take communion, knowing that we'll take communion with a clear conscience and a pure heart. But ultimately, I pray that we are rejoicing, grateful, thankful, undone, and spend a beautiful time of worship as we partake in communion and singing. In your name we pray, and we're so thankful for you. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit our media page on hcfburnett.org and follow us on social media. God bless and have a great week.